First question, what is the meaning of taking three refuges or is it the first three precepts? Taking the three refuges is to take refuge under the three jewels, um, the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. Taking, what is the meaning of taking refuge under? Taking refuge under is to, uh, to seek protection or we say to seek an intellectual understanding of or there's so many meaning in, in taking refuges. Uh, it, it's it's the, the first step in understanding the Buddhist teaching. By the way, I got a magazine. Well, maybe I, I can I can interrupt this question. I'll come back to this question later. I got a magazine from from a devotee. <laughs> I think he's not here till today, and he just gave it to me. And hurriedly, he left for the day. And he said, "Take a look at page 86." So I take a look at page 86. I open it, and it says, "Emptying your cup," and I'm, I'm reading it to you. A university professor <clears throat> went to a, a, a famous Zen master. While the master quietly served tea, the professor talked about Zen. The master poured the visitor's cup to the brim and then kept pouring and pouring. The professor watched the overflowing cup until he could no longer restrain himself. It's over, it's over full. No more will go in, the professor blurted. You are like this cup, the master replied. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? Now I think there's some philosophy behind it. In other words, if you come to the Buddhist temple, if you have a preconceived conception in your mind that I'm not going to accept anything, no matter what you tell me, then your cup is to the brim. You can't pour any more water in. First of all, you have to empty your cup of obstinacy, your cup of overconfidence, before you can accept more. Now, I think that's what he wants me to look at. And then there's another. The lower portion of the page is says it's a quotation from, from Einstein. The religion of the future will be a cosmic religion. It should transcend personal God and avoid dogma and theology. Covering both the natural and the spiritual, it should be based on a religious sense arising from the experiences of all things, natural and spiritual, as a meaningful unity. Buddhism answered this description. If that is any religion that could cope with modern scientific needs, it would be Buddhism. It's not from me, it's from Einstein. So, not Frankenstein. <laughs> it's Einstein. Why, why do we have to take refuge under the Buddha? What's the meaning of Buddha? A Buddha is a Sanskrit word. 
you know, Sanskrit and a classical Indian language uh, in the ancient days, in the Vedic periods, it may be much more than the, the ancient Vedic periods, um, particularly at the time of the, of the Buddha's uh, period, uh, Sakyamuni Buddha in India. Historically, there was a Buddha in India 2,500, 600 years ago, there was a person who got enlightened. He was a, a, a prince, the prince of one of the countries of India, uh, Gautama, and later he became Sakyamuni Buddha. Now, Buddha is a Sanskrit word. Bud means complete intellectual understanding of the universe. The means the person. The person who has achieved complete intellectual understanding of, of the universe, which fits in what Einstein says, cosmic, it has to be cosmic, it has to transcend personal God and dogma, uh, it has to combine nature and belief as one, it has to meet modern scientific needs. Uh, that's the Buddhist teaching. You have to venture more into it, but if you want to venture more into it, you must not rooming at the doorsteps. You must not rooming at the doorsteps and just look at the temple and say, this is red, and there's a lantern in here, and there's flowers, and there's incense, and you stop right at the doorsteps. That's not enough. You really have to take the three refuges to go through it. Taking the three refuges is to go through the door. First of all, you want to, to strive pass through the threshold of the door. If you stop at right at the door, how can you understand what Buddhism is all about? If I want to understand the Catholic religion or, or the Hindu religion, I really have to get into it. Not just stepping at a, you know, waiting at the doorsteps. So taking the free refuges is to, is to walk in. So the Buddha, taking refuges under the Buddha, the Buddha is the person who has achieved complete understanding of the universe. In another words, who has achieved full enlightenment. We call it enlightenment. Who has achieved the Bodhi mind. Who has seen the truth. And then you say, what is the truth? Well, you, you've got to learn about it though. You want to understand it just coming into a temple once and you understand all the teaching? No, it's not that easy. You have to, this is only your first step, taking refuges under the Buddha. Now, how about the second step? As I've just mentioned, just coming for one day would only help you to sow a seat in your consciousness. You really have to understand more. So you have to take refuges under the what? The Dharma. Dharma. What is the Dharma? The teaching. You have to seek intellectual understanding of the teaching. Now, what is in the teaching? What comprises the teaching? In our religion, we have a book, a holy book. What do you have? Well, we have just in the, in the Chinese version, 8,600 volumes. If you count the number of Chinese characters, it's immeasurable. Maybe 600 billions, <laughs> if I can just say a figure, you prove it yourself. <laughs> Open the book and count all these characters. So in other words, 
Dharma, the second step is to take refuge under the Dharma. The Dharma is the Buddhist teaching, and we also call it the Tripitaka. What, 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 what was Tripitaka? Tripitaka is classified into the three jewels of the Dharma, of the Buddhist teaching. And you read an explanation to explain what, what do you mean by Dharma. Dharma has three jewels, has three, it's Tripitaka, it's in three sections. Yes, it's in three sections. The first section is the Vinaya in the classic Sanskrit language. What is Vinaya? V-I-N-A-Y-A, -A, Vinaya. Vinaya is the moral code, the moral standard, or the precepts. A whole code of moral standards of what you should do and what you should not do. Um, we're living in a world where we can't just do whatever you want to do. So it's a whole code of what, when, to, to, to carry on your happy life, there are certain things that you must not do. For example, killing, lying, sexual misconduct, um, you name it, so many of it. It's in the code, it's in a, in a, in a canon, we call it the canon, the Vinaya canon. It contains all of what you should not do. What happened if I do them? So what? Some people say, so what? I've done them, so what? First of all, the law will get you in this, in this life. The cops will get you in this life. If they can't get you in this life, your karma, your own karma will get you. What do you mean by karma? The energy you have created in the process of doing unvirtuous things or virtuous things. When you have done something, it does not mean that I've done it and it's all gone. You created energy from doing all these things. Some bad energy, some good energy, from neutral energy. And according to the disintegration of energy theory, energy will not disintegrate. Even when your body dies out, it carried on. So that's the Vinaya. What you should do and what you, what you should not do and what you should do. It contains not only what you should not do, it also contains what you should encourage others and yourself to do. For example, be compassionate, be considerate, be courteous, be patriotic, be altruistic. All those you should do for others and for yourself, for your family, for the community. So that's the whole code, the canon of Vinaya. The, the second canon is the Sutra. The Sutra contains all the Buddha's spoken teaching. It contains all in there. It contains the explanation of the universe. How does this universe make up of? How does it come about? Where were you before you were born? What are you going to go when you die? And how come we have sufferings? What are the causes of suffering? How do we end suffering? How do we end sufferings not for only ourselves, for all the others? What's the meaning of emptiness? What is the meaning of the 12 dependent origination? What is the meaning of causation? Why is it timeless? Um, why do we incur mental afflictions in our mind? Why do we have depression? How do we subdue our mental afflictions? How do we maintain our peace of mind? All these is in a sutra. Do you have the trouble of opening the sutra book and look at it? Or you just don't care, you don't know, you wouldn't want to know. You just go ahead to do what you want to do. Or you may not even know such thing exists. Today you know. Today somebody told you. Are you not going to get a second step?
to know more about it, or you just go about doing your, 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 your rigmarole every day, your routines every day, your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, you go work, you're under pressure, you yell, you shout, you, you react with emotions, you're angry, you're jealous, you have hatred, you have violence, you have, oh, you name them. I don't want to go on. That's Dharma. The Dharma teaches you the Buddha's spoken teaching so that you can follow the path to enlightenment. Alright, so that's the Dharma. Are you interested in taking refuge under the Dharma? And then some Buddha said, Okay, I understand the Buddha's teaching. I know there's an enlightened Buddha. I want to learn. I want to follow his step. He's a, he's a sage. He's, he's a saint. I want to follow his step. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm reading his uh, uh, teaching. And then, what am I going to do? Intellectual understanding is not enough. You really have to practice it. Put your intellectual understanding into practice. It's easy to talk about it. If, if opening up the book and just reading about it would, 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 would qualify you to be an enlightened Buddha, the librarian is a Buddha. He's looking at those books every day. So you really have to practice. So what are you coming for today? When you're coming for meditation, you put your intellectual understanding into practice. Because the Buddha said, watch your mind. That's the evildoer. Watch your own mind. Because mind um, is the forerunner of all actions. Whatever the mind can conceive, the mind can do. You really have to know your mind. So in order to know, know, know your mind, what do you do? You start to look at it. Have you ever attempted to look at your own mind? Or you just be led by your wandering mind to do what you want to do? Your mind leads you to go to be, to be unhappy. Your mind leads you to depression. Your mind leads you to mental afflictions of jealousy, hatred, disappointment, anxiety. You're being led by your own mind. You're not controlling your mind. Why don't you start to lead your own life? Don't let your mind lead your own life. It's my mind, of course, I understand my mind. If you understand your mind, how come you commit errors? How come you get angry? How come you're depressed? You, you're, you and I, I don't want to say you because it includes me too, we are the slave of our own mind. Because we are the slave of your own mind, of our own mind, we also are the slaves of pursuit for wealth, Reputation, uh, desires, we're in pursuit of all those. It is an inexorable truth that pursuing those things would not give you happiness. If you don't do it the right way, you end up in miseries. All right, too much threat today for the first question. Yes? <laughs> Huh? Yes. What is the next stage for taking the precepts? Do you, know that? you have already taken the precepts. No, no, I'm just for oh, that's good. You're a bodhisattva <laughs> because you because you know what other people think in their mind and you want to voice it out. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, there, there are bodhisattvas who are like that, who are helping others to formulate questions. Good. Well, what's the next time you ask? You ask Yu Chi, Sister Yu Chi can tell you. Register with her, she's the organizer for taking the three refuges. 
So, you, if you want to take the few languages, register uh, immediately or at a convenient time. So, taking refuge under the Buddha, the Dharma, and, and what? And the Sangha. What is the Sangha? I am one of the Sangha members. You're practicing that. You put, you put intellectual understanding under practice, and I'm leading it in this session. I'm the Sangha. Make sure you look for the right Sangha, not a, a fallacious Sangha, a fictitious Sangha. Not a Sangha that who pretends to be a monk, and actually he's not. There are people like that. More and more people are like that. They may have a profit motive when they are, when they are promoting the Buddhist teaching. Uh, a lot of, not a lot of, people, quite a few people, get frustrations uh, by spending a lot of time in, in, in a place that is not exactly looking at the truth of the Buddhist teaching. Um, so you, you watch out. You watch over all these things. So that's only the first question. I don't want to linger on for the first question. Or is, is it the, the first three precepts? No. There are five precepts for the Upasika and the Upasaka. Uh, abstaining from stealing, abstaining from killing, abstaining from lying, abstaining from sexual misconduct, and abstaining from intoxicants. These are the five precepts that the average um, devotees should follow when you take a third step. Um, you have, there, there's a certain ceremony for taking precepts. And there are people here with a sash on. You can see some people with a sash on. Uh, they, they have already taken precepts. In other words, they have vowed in their lifetime not to kill, not to steal, not to commit sexual misconduct. not to lie, and not to be involved in intoxicants. Were humans meant to have one partner to, for the rest of their lives? When is they meant to be, you mean they're destined to be, or they should be, or they should adopt this, 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 this one life, uh, um, celebrate one life, uh, a livelihood? It's your choice, it's your own choice. Nothing is meant to be. Anything meant to be can be changed for the better. If it is meant to be good, if you do bad deeds, then you change to the worst. Nothing is unchanging. Everything in this world is in a constant flux of changes. I cannot name one item that is not changing. You look at, it, you look at space. Our naked eyes may not be able to look at molecules, protons and electrons in space, but every, every atom is splitting and combining and moving in every instant of a second. Nothing remains the same. Even in the, the space is not remaining the same. Our body is not remaining the same. Our body is going towards the final destination. And we call it death. Nobody can avoid it. It may seem remote to you if you are young, but not, death is not remote to anybody. It does not mean that only old people die or sick people die. There are sick people who linger on for 30 years, 40 years with a, with a sickness, whereas the healthy guy may die at young age. We don't know. 
So are you not, are you not going to look at, are you not going to, to deal with this problem of death problem? Or you just wait? One of the, one of the important points in studying Buddhism is the Buddha said, don't look at the death problem only at the time of death. You look at the death problem now. How do you change it? How do you live beyond death? Why do we have to die? All these, you have explanations in the Buddhist teaching. So nothing is meant to be. If you want to, to have a celibate life, we are, we, monks and nuns need a celibate life. It's simply, it's simple. It, 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 if you are on the, on the path of enlightenment, it's easier to practice than, than with the complication of another partner living always uh, by your side. Um, there's so much to talk about in this. And it has to be dealt with in, 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 this, in this session that is quite lengthy. Let's, let's go into the next question now. Otherwise, I can never finish so many questions today. Just a few more. Venerable, last week we learned the hand mantra for Chandi mantra. Can you please show us the hand mantras for Medicine Buddha mantra, the Six Syllables mantra, and the Mahakaranuka Chitta Dharani? What are the meaning and significance of the hand mantras? Well, I can. We, we need an, another session to tell you, but I can tell you that. For the, um, the Om Mani Padme Home Mantra, it's like a flower. Like that, you're holding a lotus flower in your hand, like this, like a flower, you're holding up a flower, that is for Om Mani Padme Home. Don't, don't, don't press your fingers together, you have a little space in, inside. So when you chant Om Mani Padme Home, and don't put it over here. Don't overshadow your face, just put it in here. Om Mani Padme Hong, Om Mani Padme like that. Like holding a lotus flower. What is Padme? Padme is a lotus, purity. You're holding something purity, you're holding purity in your hand, you are pursuing, achieving purity. That is Om Mani Padme Hong. If you chant Tadiyata Om Baisaje, 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 Samukati Swaha, you can even do this. Uh, the, you, you can do this. Uh, this is the Buddha medicine mantra. And if you are chanting, um, why do we have mantras? Because when we want to purify ourselves, what do we mean? We want to purify our body, our mouth, and our mind. The three sources. Our body is responsible for what? For behavior. What, you, what, what, what does your body do? Your body behave. Your body carry out actions. You carry, your body carry out, if you, if you carry out the wrong actions, your body kill, your, your body commit a lot of mistakes by your body, by your actions. But if you put everything into a mudra, into a hand gesticulation, that symbolizes that you don't want to do anything else. None of those impure actions. Everything is pure like a lotus. So this symbolize, this lotus, this hand gesticulation symbolize, symbolize, symbolizes that my body is pure and I am at purity. I'm not doing anything bad. 
I'm not going about doing sexual misconduct. I'm not going about killing. I'm not going about stealing. Right now, I'm a purity. So purification of the body, that's the mantra. How about purification of the mouth? What, did, what does the mouth do? The mouth curse, the mouth lie, the mouth use flattery language, the mouth double tongue. The mouth can do a lot of harmful stuff. Now you want it to be purified, but then you're at the same time chanting the mantra. That means you're already purifying your mouth. So, Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum. Now my body is purified because of all this. Now my mouth is purified because I'm not chanting anything else. I'm not cursing. I'm not cursing anybody now. I'm not lying now. I'm not doing flattery language, flower language. I'm not double tongueing. I am what? I'm achieving purity. Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum. That is the mouth, the mouth, the speech concentrated in achieving purity. And how about the mind? The mind is controlling this, this hand and controlling the mouth. The mind is also a purity. So the mantra symbolizes the body behavior purity. Next, what is Dharma? It takes one year to explain that. What is Dharma? That's the whole thing, the whole Buddhist teaching. You have a capital letter D. The, the Dharma can be perceived in, from two perspectives. The first perspective is a broad, general perspective. Everything is Dharma. From a restricted perspective is the Buddhist teaching. But it's not just the Buddhist teaching that is Dharma. Everything is Dharma. Everything is changing. The Dharma is changing. There is no Dharma to be obtained. Why are you asking the Dharma? There is no Dharma to be obtained. Why? Because the Dharma is changing all the time. Why do you want to be so greedy at obtaining a Dharma? So Dharma takes a lot of time to explain. Dear Albert, thank you for today's uh, lovely class. Can you please tell me why nuns and monks shave their heads? It's too much trouble to, 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 to shampoo your hair, right? <laughs> Every day you have to shampoo it, you blow it dry, you have, you have, you have to go to the, to, to, to the supermarket and look for the right shampoo, and then you think about which one is better, which one is organic and inorganic, and oh, it takes too much time. Why don't we just shave it and that's it. Simplify your life. That's an easy answer for a complicated question. <laughs> so, why do we shave their heads? Hair is immeasurable. The quantity of hair. Do you know how much hair you have? If you count one by one and one by one, it's difficult to count. So we say the quantity of hair of each head is immeasurable. And the Buddha says, remember, the, quant the quantity, the number of mental afflictions is as, are as immeasurable as the hair. We can, we can count all kinds of mental afflictions. Jealousy, hatred, depression, anxiety, fear, or disappointment, greediness, fraudulence, so many of them. So many w wicked 
ideas. So in, in other words, in order to uh, symbolically get rid of those mental afflictions, our first step is to get rid of the hair first. Always remember, uh, the monk always remember when you touch your hair, oh, I'm a monk and I have to, I have to get rid of my mental afflictions. All these mental afflictions surrounding us, I want to get rid of them. How do we get rid of them? Take the three refuges and learn the Buddhist teaching. Hair symbolizes mental afflictions. And also it's the customs of the, of, of the Indian uh, culture um, that those who go on to practice enlightenment, they, they shave their hair. If you insist saying that I don't want to shave my hair, I want to be the Buddha, but I don't want to shave a hair, it's okay. Why, why do you force yourself to shave your hair? If you're so obstinate that I don't want to shave a hair, but I still want to be the Buddha, that, that's the same. And then you ask me, why? Why do you, don't you shave, shave your hair? Why monks and nuns don't shave their hair? Their head. You, you can't win both ways. Second question, where, who, what are, the, are we before our lives begin? What is the cause and effect for our life's journey karma to begin? You think there's a beginning? Beginning, a beginning and end only falls into the, into the realm of thinking. Into the, into the fallacious realm of thinking. Into a, a thinking that, that only involves with duality of concept. In other words, when, when we are thinking, we're using language. We're, we're already in the realm of thinking. Um, when we're in the realm of thinking, we have beginning and end. When we transcend thinking, there's no beginning and end. But that's not that good an answer to you. Because you may as well not listening to that kind of answer. It takes time to explain it to you. It's the Buddhist teaching. As I said, uh, if you intend to learn everything in one session, you will be disappointed. It has taken me 50 years. Venerable, if you had three sentences to sum up the meaning of life, what, what would you say? Three sentences. How about one? One is enough. Three sentences to sum up the meaning of life? I would say two is pertaining to this temporal world. And one is pertaining to beyond this temporal world. Um, the one that's pertaining to this temporal world is to be happy, right? Everybody wants to be happy. Anybody here who does not want to be happy? You said the meaning of life, everybody is looking for happiness, right? To be happy. That everybody wants that. But to be happy, you have to know what the meaning of happiness. What's the meaning of happiness? So you want, the meaning of life is to, to lead a happy life. And to lead a happy life, you really have to learn how to be happy. So I want to, the first sentence is, I want to be happy. Second sentence, I want to learn how to be happy. That's two sentences. The third sentence is, 
I want to go beyond this so-called quote-unquote happiness. Can we achieve happiness in this world? I said no. You cannot achieve happiness in this world. You have to go beyond this world. So my third sentence is, is I want to get a nirvana. I want to be the Buddha. There are two lions in front gate, one holding a baby lion under her palm and the other holding a, a globe. What these two statues present or symbol of? One is a male and the other is a female. The one holding a baby is a male, the other holding a globe is a female. What kind of karma do children born with mental and physical disabilities come from? They incur the karma themselves. They must have done something that have made them disabled in this life. According to the, to the law of um, causation, uh, nobody created them to be handicapped. They created certain karma that make them handicapped. The Creator never create handicapped stuff. The Creator will only create perfect things, not disabled things. Would you, if you're the Creator, would you create something, something disabled? 